And uh, praise God, again, we want to thank all of you for coming today. It's just so good to be in God's house. I know that uh, in the New Testament that we're each individually the house of God as the Holy Spirit indwells us. But uh, in Timothy, praise God, Paul said that the church is the house of God also. And uh, so good things happen in God's house. And uh, we all come from different places around the region, different circumstances. You know, we have different uh, needs that we, uh, you know, all bring with us at, uh, in a service. And God cares about each and every one of you. And one of the wonders of the Holy Ghost is that He can minister to a crowd, to a body of people, while individually customizing everything that's said where it feels like it just, wow, that was just for me. Yeah. And uh, praise God. So be expectant no matter what the subject is. Every time you come to church, expect God to talk to you while you sit. You know, Amber and I, we've paid uh, thousands of dollars to be in the right meeting, to sit under the ministry of our uh, spiritual parents. And I just can't tell you how many times I came in with a need and they went on a certain subject. It was totally unrelated to my need. But God gave me my answer while I sat there expectantly. <laughs> Amen. And so I'm believing for you. Your answer will be found in my mouth this morning. Come on. And that'll be a miracle, right? Because I'm just a human being. But God is able. And uh, again, to our visitors, we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, we pray that we'll get to see your face on a regular basis. Amen. Uh, we've had uh, a few occasions over the 18 years that Amber and I have been passing here where someone came, they showed up to a service, and they just never left. They just never left. I mean, they just didn't, they didn't visit 25 other churches after that. They just like, this is home and this is it. And, and you just love that when that happens. It's, it's not wrong to, to really pray and but whatever, but uh, you get a good witness on the inside. Listen, just call it home. Have your mail delivered here. We'll give it to you. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I don't know, just something stirred in me about you today. You know, God loves you all so much. He just, I mean, He burns. He's jealous. He loves us. His thoughts toward us outnumber the sands of the sea. And the Bible says they're all good. They're all good. So isn't it good to know that the God of the universe is not walking in the throne room frustrated with you? <laughs> Praise God. No, but He loves us and He's for us. And uh, it doesn't mean he's going to wink at everything that we do wrong. Of course not. But uh, out of his love, he's going to be patient with us and merciful to us. And he's doing everything he can from the angels to the Holy Ghost to pastors to ministers to family, prayer warriors to get you in line and on track. Amen. Amen. And uh, like my wife was saying, he wants every area of your life to be going well. Every area of your life. You know, 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray above all things. Come on, above all things. I mean, that's everything. What? That you would prosper. That you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. And so we're going to jump in the Word today. Are you ready? Amen. Well, you're in Romans, but I never got there. Praise God. Romans chapter 5. And uh, for our visitors and returning guests... Uh, we've been in a series now, according to my notes, uh, we're eight weeks in. I'm about to deliver the eighth teaching uh, on the subject of the authority of the believer. And so it's a series on our podcast titled, You Hold the Reins. 
You know what reins are, right? Praise God. Uh, reins, you put a bit and a bridle and leather straps on a horse or a horse and buggy and you can sit on that wooden cart or you can sit in that saddle and direct that animal. You know that, those, those horses, I have horses at home and they're, they're aged retirees. But I tell you what, you wouldn't want to get in the way of them when they're moving. I mean, they are powerful. They are strong. They are muscle to the hilt and they can hurt you in a moment, not even mean to. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yet we can direct them. That rider can direct them just by pulling on the reins. And so what we're meaning to convey uh, with that title is that in life, you hold the reins. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, you're in charge. More than God is in charge, you're in charge. Now, that goes real crosswise to religious thinking. Amen. Uh, One of my neighbors, precious man, uh, he once told me, he said, you know, uh, he gave it a theological name. I don't even remember what he called himself, but he said, this is the way I think of myself, Pastor Chris. I am just a shade lower than a robot. That's how in control he thought God was over his life and the outcome of his life in every facet, including if he got sick, then that's programmed for his life. That's the way he thinks about that. If he were to have a car accident, I mean, you're just a shade lower than a robot in his mind. And a lot of people, unfortunately, have been taught this, uh, this unbalanced, unscriptural teaching on the sovereignty of God. Now listen, we would not dare at this church challenge God's sovereignty. God is sovereign. He is high above. He is the creator and the maker and the sustainer of all the universe. The issue is that God in His sovereignty delegated authority to man. He delegated authority to man. Well, would a sovereign God have the right to do that? Of course He would. Of course He could. And He did. And we don't have time to go back and cover all that ground, but you'll remember in Genesis chapter 1 that in the beginning, God said, let us, the Godhead, let us make man. Let, him, let us make him, and female too, make mankind in our image and after our likeness, Genesis 1.26. And then what was the next phrase? Let them have dominion. I'm just rephrasing it and saying let them hold the reins. Let them hold the reins. Let them sit behind the steering wheel. Now, of course, he wanted them to be joyfully, willingly submitted to God while they held the reins. You know, but God shared a big part of Himself when He made man. There is no uh, created thing in the universe that I've read about, that the Bible talks about, that could be any closer to God Himself than a human being. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. You study those Hebrew words, image and likeness, it means God formed a mold out of Himself And then he formed up a body and and created Adam's body from the dust. And then he breathed into Adam a portion of himself. He breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. The Hebrew says he became a speaking spirit like God. You're a lot more like God than you are not like God. And this is a truth that we need to renew our minds to. And listen, once 
This is one of the ways that a human being gets all their knots untangled. Because we live in a dangerous, confused world that is full. We almost become numb to them, don't we? Just yesterday, we had another mass shooting in our nation. Five people dead, including the shooter. 21 injured. Some guy decides to run from the police and go off half-cocked. And he's got a gun and he's going to empty it out. And, uh, and listen, I believe in having weapons and nobody's going to come get mine. You know, praise God. But it's not the person, it's the guy that's just crazy. And things happen. And yet notice, God did not intervene stop that. You know, my neighbor who thinks he's a robot, you know... He ought to have enough sense to know that if he decided to, he could go into the Dollar General down the road, pull a pistol. Is he saying that God inspired that action? He is. I'm not, and the Bible doesn't. There, you know this concept, right? God gave man free will. He gave man, in His sovereignty, He gave us free will. Amen. This is a good news message, not a bad news message, but listen, we are responsible as human beings. We are responsible before God for our decisions, for our actions. And the outcome of our life is not predetermined. The outcome of our life is not like a, an algorithm and you just plug in a few variables and outcomes. No, you have, we make decisions every day of our life. Amen. You could eat a, eat a dozen donuts and junk food, and like somebody told me that he knew a friend that all they consumed, all they consumed was Snickers bars and Mountain Dew sodas. And the doctor said, duh, if you don't change whatever you're doing, you're going to die. Right? Well, that's not God. That's someone being really stupid. That's someone being a, uh, a, a poor steward of their body. Amen. And uh, so we're looking at this truth. Uh, we're looking at this truth. In Psalm 8, you, you stay parked in Romans 5, but in Psalms 8 we saw that it says that God made man a little lower than the angels. That's what your Bible probably reads. That's not right. That's an English translation that's very poor. In the Hebrew, the word angels is not angels, it's Elohim. And over 500 times in the Old Testament alone, the word Elohim is translated God. God. See, the translators didn't have enough guts to translate that the right way. God made man a little lower than himself, than God. And then the next phrase in that psalm, Psalm 8, says that he made man to have dominion over all the works of his hands. Praise God. Now, see, this, this helps me because I grew up in a denominational setting and I went to funerals. And I heard preachers say weird things. Like God took so and so. You know, God's only taken two human beings so far. Actually, He took three. He, so He does take humans. He takes them to heaven. He took three so far. He took Enoch was the first one. Notice when God took a man, He took him spirit, soul, and body. No sickness. Took him alive. Right? He didn't have to kill him to take him. There's a good thought. God did not have to kill a man to take a man. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and then he wasn't, for God took him. Poof, there he goes. The next man that the Bible records that God took was a prophet named Elijah. What did, how did God take him? Cancer, AIDS, diabetes, car accident, 
Mugging? No, a chariot of fire showed up. I mean, if God's going to take, he's going to take you in style. I mean, you, you, if God showed up in a Royals Royce, that would be a demotion to what, to what Elijah rode to heaven in. But again, he took him, spirit, soul, and body. The only other man that I know of that God took so far is Jesus. After he raised him from the dead, a whole crowd watched him just like this. As he was caught up to heaven, spirit, soul, and body, he disappeared out of their midst. And the angels had to say, hey guys, what you looking up there for? Get busy. He gave you an assignment. He'll come back in like manner as you see him came. See, if you've been taught God took, you fill in the blank. And, and you know, it wasn't a glorious home going, free of sickness and disease. Then, you know, that's, you got wrong thinking. Are you with me? Praise God. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. I have a place to go today. We're going to go there with the Lord's help. Paul said, verse 17, Romans 5, For if by one man, speaking of Adam, one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, what shall they do? They shall reign in life. The Amplified says they shall reign as kings. <laughs> they shall reign as kings, where? Not in heaven, in life, in life, in life. Amen. Now, you know, we live in, again in such a world where not too many of us have escaped even our childhood without being molested, sexually abused, abandoned, broken, beaten, disappointed, violated in some way. Listen, I'm here to tell you, God didn't do that to you. God hated every moment of it. He was in no way involved with abuse. With your family not having enough money. With your mom in their 30s dying with cancer at any age. Adam sold out the human race to the devil. And the devil became the god of this world, little g. In other words, the world is ruled by darkness and sin out there. And there's a curse out there. And he steals. And he kills. And he destroys. But Jesus came. Come on, Jesus came. Hallelujah, Jesus came. That you might have life. Have it a little bit. Muy poquito. No. Have it in abundance. The Greek word is super abundance. That means abundance X squared to the hilt until that abundance of God's kind of life spills out and overflows all over you. But listen, even though Jesus came, He didn't say, like my wife was talking about the word shall, He didn't say, I came that you and you shall have life. No, He said, I came that you might that you might. See, we've got something to say about whether we're going to walk in divine life or not. We've got to cooperate with the plan of God. We've got to come to Jesus. Listen, if you're here today, young person, older person, if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you are born from heaven, born from above, that you've confessed with your mouth, believed in your heart, that Jesus is your Lord, then listen, sweetie, you're lost. You are loved, but you are lost. 
and you are living under the legal dominion, you belong to Satan. But Jesus came that you might have life, not only life, but eternal life. But you have to reject the old Lord and receive a new one. Don't believe the lie of the culture that everyone's okay. That all religions have value. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. Be not deceived. And listen, if you are not born again, you have no promise of another heartbeat. You have no promise of divine protection when you get out on that highway and go wherever you're going after the service. Now, if you're born again and you're smart, you have a covenant, you find out you do have divine protection. Hallelujah. You see, in my life as a Christian, the devil can't just come along and do to me anything he wants to do to me anytime he gets ready because I found something out in the Bible that I'm endeavoring to share with you, praise God, that he is beneath my feet in Jesus. I have authority over him and so do you. But the lost person is a subject of a dark kingdom headed up under a dark Lord. And if he wants to put cancer on you, he can. If He wants to kill you with sickness, He can. And He might just for the thrill of it. Just because He might need a laugh this afternoon. He's wicked. He's evil. Don't wait for me to give you a chance. Receive Jesus right now. Receive Him right now. And just know that if you reject Him, again, you're holding the reins of your eternal future. You're holding the reins. Your hand, whether you, you blow hell wide open or blow heaven's gates wide open at your entrance, it will be all you, baby. It, will not, it won't be God that sends anyone anywhere. It's good preaching. I got some guys in the back, I think, praying for me. I appreciate that. They're, they're interceding while I'm preaching. Guys, gals, I don't know whose turn it is. Hallelujah. So listen, the right life. I want to live the right life. The right life is lived when we realize that Jesus has redeemed our life. He has exalted us. He has seated us. He has enthroned us on the very same seat He is sitting on. I've already preached that to you. You've got to go back. What a revelation. Ephesians 1 says that in His resurrection, God... Uh, elevated Jesus far above all principality, power, might, and dominion down here on the earth and seated Him at the Father's right hand. We get that, right? We get that. But Ephesians 2 says that because we are born again, we're in Him, that we are also seated in heavenly places in Christ. We're sitting not in a lower seat. We're sitting in the very same seat. We're not a sub-heir. We're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Come on. Hallelujah. But we've got to know it. We've got to believe it. We've got to conduct our life from the right chair. Stop conducting your Christian life like a beggar. Like a pauper. Like a sinner. That's another lie preachers tell Christians. I used to be a sinner, but I'm not in the eyes of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I was crucified, Paul said, with Christ. I no longer live. I'm dead. That old man died. He is dead. And a new life I now live. I, the new life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Praise God. One translation of that, Galatians 2.20, says that the life I now live is simply Jesus using my body. Come on. Praise God. Woo! Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. God has given us authority. Amen. In His name, over the devil, over the curse, over sickness, disease, tragedies, and accidents. Everything that harms, kills, destroys, we are redeemed from. Now, if you're a smart believer, and I believe you are, then you'll ask yourself, why then? Why then, preacher, do so many? Why did this happen? If that's true, what you're saying, why did this happen? Why did my grandma, who loved Jesus, went to church every Sunday, paid her tithes, was a prayer warrior, why did she go out like that? Amen. Oh, it's a great question. It's a great question. It's because authority given that is not walked in on purpose is useless. It won't matter, believer, that you've been given this place and this power and this authority if you don't know it. And if you don't know it, if you, even if you know it, but you don't believe it, and then walk in that, exercise that, then it won't matter. Remember, the, the, don't expect the devil to show you any mercy. And if you stay ignorant of what God's made available to you, or you just neglect it altogether, you're a lazy Christian. He will run roughshod over you. He will. And it won't matter that you're a, your grandmama was a wonderful intercessor. If she doesn't have the light that she's been redeemed in Jesus from sickness and disease... And that she can rebuke that foul sickness. Come on. It won't matter how much she prays. Yeah. God will love, He will honor her prayer. Amen. But it won't matter if she doesn't walk in the light, right? Listen, I know uh, people who are holy. They, they live holy lives. They live clean lives. They live word lives and dedicated lives and prayer-filled lives. And they are broke. Why? How, how is that possible? Because these things are not automatic. You have to lay hold on every part of your inheritance and be aggressive with it if you want it. Prosperity is not going to just fall on you like a ripe cherry off a tree. You have to use your faith. You have to renew your mind. You have to sow your seed. You've got to live your Christian life on purpose. Throw off everything about what you've that, that influenced your thinking in that you're a victim or just a passive passerby here in this life. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You're a high priest in His sight. You are a king. And you better rule at least over your house. Amen. You guys are pulling it out of me this morning. Amen. Okay, praise God. So now we're going to move forward.
See, that was all review. So if, if this is new to you, imagine what's awaiting you on the podcast out there. Hours worth. You get yourself stirred up. I've been ready to, wanting to get to this, and, and I believe we're here. We want to talk about the name of Jesus for a moment. The name of Jesus. Praise God. Go to John chapter 14. The name of Jesus is a vital part of the believer's authority. We must never, ever, ever let the, name, the phrase in the name of Jesus become cliché. In, in a lot of our Christian circles, we, you know, I don't know about you, I pray over all my meals. The Bible says the Word of God is set apart and sanctified, made holy and right and healthy uh, by the Word of God in prayer. And I'll pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And we'll, a lot of times we'll say in the name, in the name, in the name. And I wonder, do we have any light? Do we have any revelation of what we're doing? Amen. So what I'm believing for you is not just to give you knowledge this morning, but I've already prayed that God would give you a revelation. Come on, a, a revelation on your heart about what we have and what is in the name of Jesus. So part of the believer's authority, we have been given the power of attorney. Now, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a lawyer, but I understand what a power of attorney is. A power of attorney is a legal right to conduct business on behalf of another. How many of you have ever been the power of attorney for a relative, maybe an aged parent? or Yes, amen. What that meant was is that now you can access their bank account. You have a right to pay their bills and to conduct their affairs for them on their behalf. You're not them. But you speak for them. You act for them. You spend their resources for them, for their benefit. You're getting put in jail. You, mis you mishandle the power of attorney. Amen. But the power of attorney is a legal standing. And that is what we have, amen, in the use of the name of Jesus. E.W. Kenyon was preaching on the name of Jesus, I understand, one time. And a lawyer in the service uh, actually interrupted him and said, Well, preacher, I'm an attorney. Are you telling me that Jesus gave the church the power of attorney to use his name? And E.W. Kenyon widely said, wisely said, You're the lawyer. Did Jesus give us the power of attorney? And the lawyer said, if language means anything, Jesus gave the church the power of attorney. In, in the use, in the giving of His name. The dictionary defines power of attorney like this. It is the authority to act for another person. It is in all, excuse me, it is the authority to act for another person in specified or all legal and financial matters. Amen. Well, look at John 14, verse 12 with me. Are you there? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I, I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now, this has been a challenge a verse that is such a challenge for theologians and for all Christians just to swallow that verse. 
But it says what it says, doesn't it? You all throw at me some of the works of Jesus. Healing, healing the sick. Raising the dead, that's a big one. Deliverance, deliverance from demonic power. Multiplying resources like the loaves and the fishes. Pardon. <laughs> yeah. How about walking on water, calming the storms? Right? All of the works multiply, you know, water into wine. Come on, all of the multiplied miracles. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Anybody in here fit that description so far? I believe upon him. I believe upon him. Well, it says, You shall do the same works. The same works shall you do. Notice he's not talking about prayer. He's talking about works. Works. You shall do also, and greater works shall you do, because I ascend, I go to my Father. Now, the next few verses are going to tell us how, we're how are we going to do, how are we going to reproduce the works of Jesus? Well, He, he doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us. He's the great teacher. Look at verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, you may think that those verses are talking about prayer. I did too. But the word ask is not ask in the Greek. It is the word demand. Whoa, Nelly. It is the word demand. Or as Dr. Strong in his concordance says, it implies to demand something due. To demand something due. So I wrote that in my Bible. I never wanted to forget it. You might want to write, instead of the word ask, it's demand. Now, we'll read, uh, Lord willing, in the 16th chapter, where you look up the word ask and it means request or ask. Right? So he, there's an application to our prayer life also. But here, remember the context? He's not talking about prayer. He's talking about doing the works He did in His absence. He's leaving. See, you got to understand this about John 14, 15, 16, and 17 are some of the last words of instruction Jesus gave before He was arrested, betrayed, and went to the cross. These are important words. These are some of the last things Jesus uttered before He left them. And He says, My works are going to continue in My absence. The same works. Not See, the church today, it's less than works. We've got to get a fresh revelation of who we are and what we've got. See, it's not out of your own strength you're going, to you're going to produce a miracle. Jesus is going to do that miracle from heaven. But He's only going to do it as you demand it to be done on earth in His name. He does. You're not going to do the work. You're never going to raise the dead. He might, through you, as you make a demand in His name. Are you with me this morning? Now, this is important also to know that the word demand doesn't mean or imply that you're going to demand something of God. 
I'm not demanding anything of God. But I'm going to... Notice that word, according to Dr. Strong said, the word demand means something due. Who's holding out on what's due us as a believer? The devil is. The devil is. Amen. And so what this is, is I make a demand. I exercise the power of attorney that was given to me, and I make a demand on what is due me, not by my own merit, but by what I, what's included in my inheritance. Healing is mine. That means it's due me. And so Satan, in the name of Jesus, I demand. You take your hand off my body. I'm not demanding anything of God. I'm demanding on the one who sent that awful sickness. I'm acting in His name. I've got the power of attorney, and I say, sickness, you get out of my body. Pain, you get out of my body. Supply belongs to me. Paid bills belongs to me. And so I'm not making a demand on God, but I'm saying, hey, you're the one that's opposing me in my finances. Satan, in the name of Jesus. Oh, it is good. It's not good because I said it. It's good because it's the Word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You see, we could just utter in the name of Jesus like it's a religious term, and as you found out, it won't work for you. But we need to meditate. We need to study. We need to get a fresh revelation on the inside of our heart on, on what we have in the name of Jesus. Praise God. That's what we're endeavoring to get today. Glory to God. And so let's go a little further. Amen. If you were to go on and read on, that first verse 14 says, this is how the Father's going to get glory. This is how the Father's going to get glory. By the accurate, proper use of His name in His absence. Are you with me? When we have faith in the name of Jesus, and we use the name of Jesus, it is as if Jesus were here in that moment. Come on. In other words, this, is, this was the mystery that God hid from the ages. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so now on every continent, when Jesus was on the earth as a man, He was there in the, in the Mediterranean area. He was there in the Middle East area. He was there walking the mountains and the valleys and the, the places of Israel. But He was not in North America. But right now, Christ is in North America, South America, the Antarctic, Greenland. Uh, come on, He's in Europe. He's in Asia. He's behind the Iron Curtain. He's behind the Asian Curtain. He is, there is Christ on every continent. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, understand that using the name of Jesus in faith is making a demand like you would on the power of attorney. Hallelujah. You'd be like giving the bank of attorney for an elderly parent and you just never use it and the bills get further behind and grandma's going down, she needs groceries, but she can't get out. But you're like, oh, I don't want to walk into that bank. They don't know me. They don't know me. I have no right to go in there and think yourself inferior. But listen, if you've got the paperwork, if you've got the paperwork... You got the goods and that, that money could just sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there. Those resources just sit there, sit there, sit there, untapped, unutilized until you step up, baby, and make a demand on what is legally available to you. 
See, this is why many are sick and have died. They're waiting on God to get ready to heal them. Oh, I know God will heal me when he went around. No, now is the, the acceptable time, the Bible says. You're not waiting on God to heal you. Yeah, God in His good time, I know He'll heal me. It, it was His good time 2,000 years ago when He allowed His Son to be whipped. No one is waiting on God to heal them. No one. God is waiting on us to get a heavenly clue and say, in the name of Jesus, I demand my rights, my privileges. And if you never get it, if you never get it and if you get it, but you never do anything with it, you will do without. You will go without your healing. And your prosperity. And the help of the angels. And all of the other parts of our inheritance in Christ. Flip over to John 16. Let's look at this application of the name of Jesus in prayer. John chapter 16. Verse number 23 says, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. In what day? In the day we're living in now. Where He's ascended and resurrected and at the Father's right hand. He said, In that day you'll ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. And somebody might say, well, I asked for 10 million oil wells. Well, that's idiotic. I like how the Amplified Bible renders it. The Amplified says, whatever you ask as representing all that I am. In other words, you don't get to ask and then have an expectation of it being answered if Jesus wouldn't ask it. If he were there. See, what it is to be in the name of Jesus down here is to act as his representative. And if he wouldn't ask it of the Father, you shouldn't. See, we're representing all, you see that? Representing all that I am. Well, but see, is he a healer? Well, that means when you come across somebody, praise God, what would Jesus do? What would he do? Come on, this is what we need to... What would He do? What would He say? Then in His name, He will do that again today if we will believe Him to. We just become conduits. We just become earthly connection points through which the living Christ still ministers to people today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he said, whatsoever you shall ask as representing all that I am, ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Hitherto or up to now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall. Getting excited about that word, honey? Shall. You shall receive that your joy might be made full. Praise God. Jesus gave us the unqualified, unlimited use of His name. We are to take in prayer our covenant rights, promises, and blessings and pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now this is an important point that believers can stumble over. Don't make your request to Jesus. Don't ask Jesus to meet all your needs according to His riches and glory. He told you, don't ask me anything. Now, you can talk to Jesus, of course. I take my marching orders from Jesus. He's the captain of my salvation. 
But he's not the one I address in prayer. Don't stumble over the simplicity of it. Jesus said, you'll ask me nothing. Ask the Father. Ask the Father. Ask the Father. Answered prayer originates with the Father. I talk to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost and I have a great relationship. Amen. He talks to me. I talk to him. If you think that's weird, you're the one that's weird. Amen. Every believer is to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14. And that pastor said he heard voices. I didn't say I heard voices. It wouldn't be wrong to hear a voice, but I don't hear voices. I have the Holy Ghost down on the inside of me and He bears witness with my spirit. Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. We address our prayers to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's how we conduct our... You know, this is a legal thing. This is a business trend. You have to get this stuff right. Amen? Now, as I've already alluded to, you realize, right, that we are the body of Christ. Do I need to tell... Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and let me show you that from the Word that we are the body of Christ. What does that mean? That means we are the body of the anointed one and his anointing. Another way of stating that is very simply, we are his earthly representatives. This is hard for the religious brain to process it. Don't try to process what I'm about to say with your brain. Just check your heart. We are Christ in the earth. Through our union with him. There is no other Christ in the earth except the church. Oh, that makes religious devils mad, but it's scriptural. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, where do I want to be? Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one, talking about the human body, and has many members... And all the members of that one body being Christ are one body. So also is Christ. Uh, Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. Verse 18, but now God has set the members, every one of them in the body. In the body. Are you with me? We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Uh, I'm not satisfied with that. I mean, that's good, but that's not explicit enough for me. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. That's just to the right in your Bible from where you are. I'm having fun. (laughs) Praise God. Let me know when you get there. Ephesians 1, verse 20. Which He, God, wrought or worked in who? In Christ, when He raised Him up from the dead and set Him or seated Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places or in the spirit realm, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come, and has put two or three things... No, and has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church which is His body. 
The church is His body. He's the head, but we're the body. He's in heaven, we're down here, but we're connected by covenant, by blood, by the Holy Ghost. And He works in the earth through His body. We are Christ in the earth. We reproduce the work, the ministry of Jesus that He began on the earth by simply conducting our life under the banner of the name of Jesus. Amen. i got to speed up. You might write this reference down, Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 17, Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Now, see, there's a colon or a semicolon there, and it's probably fine, but let's just take that out and think about it this way. Jesus said, These signs shall follow those that believe in my name. See, it's English translators who put that semicolon in there. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. In other words, they have an intelligent understanding of what's in it. They believe it. They use it. Signs follow them. Signs follow them. Well, what kind of signs? We're familiar with them around here, right? And praise God. Here's that word, they shall. They shall cast out demons. What, in your own power because you pray 30 minutes a day or an hour a day or five hours a day? No, in the name. Them that believe in the name. See, demons, they're not scared of you, but they are scared of the name. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, some people, very few, uh, you know, um, they've gotten in a little bit of pastoral trouble because they bucked up against, not me, but someone under me gave them an instruction and they rebelled against it. And then when I found out about it, I called them out. They didn't want to think that they rebelled against me, but they did. See, they got in trouble with the pastor because they didn't honor delegated authority. Hello? Demons fear. See, they don't have to regard the person of Chris Cody, but when I stand in front of a demonically oppressed or possessed, or whatever that person is, and I say, in the name of Jesus, it's not about me. He's afraid of the one that's back that name. He's the one that's, he's afraid of the one that's on the throne. The one that I represent. And that demon will go, not because of me, but because of that name. Hallelujah. Praise God. I mean, the, 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 Christian that's in the nursery, that's, the bells went off. They just got born into the kingdom. If they, were, if they could, they could just stand there and cast out the greatest devil. It's not about them. It's not about how long they've been a Christian. But they have a right to use that name. Demons tremble at that name. In the name we speak in new tongues. In the name we take up serpents. That means wherever we go, we walk in a divine protection. Praise God. We go into the mission field with confidence because we've got the name. If we drink any deadly thing by accident, come on, it won't harm them. In the name. Those who believe in the name, what will they do? They'll lay hands on the sick. Well, do you have a special ministry to minister to the sick? You don't have to. We all have a ministry of, we all have a healing ministry. If you believe in the name, 
Man, that name, it'll drive off. It doesn't matter what's, it doesn't matter what's in front of you. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's stage four cancer. It doesn't matter if it's an incurable thing. It does not matter if the doctor said, go home, die, get your affairs in order. That disease has to go in the name. Well, I'll use the name. Well, did you know what you were doing? Did you have any faith in the name? Or were you just uttering words? Were you just being religious? You see, if you say, I tried that and it didn't work, that's because you tried it. I did it and it worked. You get a revelation and an understanding of what's in the name. Your trying days are over. Your doing days are about to begin. (laughs) Praise God. Okay, I'm going to have to fast forward here. Uh, uh, Let's take just a second. What is... How, what, is, what should I understand? Understanding the phrase, in the name of Jesus. Well, we've already alluded to it, but understand that the phrase, in the name of Jesus, what does it mean? It means, in behalf of. On the behalf of. So I don't have time to take you there. But in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are on their way to prayer. And there is laid there at the gate beautiful... A lame man who was lame from his mother's womb. His ankle bones had never, ever, ever been able to support his weight. He was a beggar there. He looked up at Peter and John and asked them an alms. Put something in my cup, right? And the Bible says that on that day, see the Holy Ghost got on him that day. You can't just do stuff by random. No doubt he saw the beggar man day after day probably putting money in his cup. But on this day, there was a quickening. There was a leading of the Holy Ghost. And Peter stood up and said, Look at us. Catch my eye. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. Wasn't any doubt about it. Such as I have, give I thee. Then what did he say? In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him by the arm, leaped him up. And when the guy landed on his feet, he was healed. You see, Jesus did that from heaven. Peter and John didn't do it. Jesus did it. He did it from heaven. How? Peter said, you know, if my master was here, he'd heal you. And I represent him. I have the power of attorney on the subject of healing. And in his name, I demand the power that would make you whole. And from heaven, from heaven, Jesus backed him up. That's how it works. I said, that's how it works. And a little bit later, they were interrogated, Peter and John, about that. And they said, well, if you want to know how a good deed was done to a crippled man, I'll have you to know that the name, and then he stopped and said, no, faith in the name of Jesus has made this man whole. Praise God. Y'all need to get out of here pretty quick and find something to use the name of Jesus on. I already told you how I started uh, old school buses that wouldn't start in the name. I mean, we just need to test the borders of that. They'd call me up and say, yeah, you know, I know you're in charge of these buses. They won't start. I said, did you speak to it? What do you mean speak to it? I said, you're on this staff. You're a Christian, aren't you? Speak to it. Oh, come on. Well, I watched down there. I sit down. I said, I'll show you how this works. Sit down in that seat. And I said, now in the name of Jesus, I command you to start. 
There it go. I mean, without fail, I'm not telling you, know, you go to hell for lying, just like Dr. Jacob said, right? I'm not lying to you. Praise God. Amen. So the phrase in the name of Jesus means in his place, on his behalf. That's what you're doing when you utter that name. So to use the name of Jesus is to do as he did. To repeat what he said. To act in the place of him. We speak and act for him. What an awesome responsibility. How the church has failed to properly represent him out there. I won't even get into the moral aspects of that, but I mean, we need to really get with it. We're not showing the world Jesus as he is. We just need to repent if we need to, get clean, get a revelation, and get out there, amen, and heal the sick cast out devils, proclaim the message, and have revival in Paducah. How about that? Praise God. <laughs> Again, write the reference down. I'm trying to close, but I, I didn't want to leave you short. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, it says this in the Amplified. It says, It was God personally present in Christ that was reconciling the world to Himself. Now verse 20 says, So, or just like that, we are Christ's ambassadors we are Christ's ambassadors so when Christ is on the earth Paul said God the father was personally present in Christ now today Christ is gone and he is personally present in us we are ambassadors of the anointed one and his anointing praise God forevermore praise God forevermore Jesus is person, personally present in us by the Holy Ghost. In His name, we are to proclaim the good news. In His name, we are to cast out demons. In His name, we are to lay hands on the sick. Come on. You see, in prayer, when we use the name of Jesus, in, from the Father's, what He hears, when you utter something biblical and scriptural in that name, He hears Jesus pray it. He didn't hear you pray it. He hears the voice of His Son. And Jesus said, Father, I know You always hear me. You always hear me. You always hear me. Lazarus, come forth. And He came forth. See, when you get scriptural in your prayer and you pray in faith in the name of Jesus, it won't be like Dad Harold says it. He's going to hear Jesus. And God is going to, He is going to treat that prayer like it was His only begotten Son that offered up that prayer, it will be answered every time. Amen. Praise the Lord. What is in the name? Well, Philippians 2 says that the name He was given is above every name. Philippians 2, 9-11. through 11. I looked up that word above and it means superior. The name of Jesus is superior to every circumstance you'll ever face. To every foe that ever comes against you. No weapon will form it. Why? Because everything that has a name is inferior to the name of Jesus. According to Acts 4.12, uh, there's salvation in the name of Jesus. I quoted that to you earlier, kind of, sort of. But the Bible says there is no other name. There is no other name under heaven by which a human being can be saved. Jesus is your only way. Praise God. 
We already quoted there's healing in the name of Jesus, Acts 3, 6. Acts 16, 16 and 17 says there is deliverance from demonic power in the name of Jesus. Acts 10, 43 declares that there is forgiveness of all sin in the name of Jesus. There is today, Christian, 2019, September 1st, all the power, all the might, all the authority that was ever invested in that name is still in that name today, and that name is yours to use. It's up to you. It's up to you. You hold the reins. You hold the reins. Come on. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet today?